bring the music down. I don't know if anybody can hear me. I see three people are here. Let me go to the chat room. And we have Queen Red Pill, my dear, beautiful sister, my powerful sister. Yes. Positively, Angela will be here shortly. And I have all these bright lights on me. Just want to apologize to you and everybody for not putting out the amount of shows that I've been usually putting out because you know what we're doing. We're wrapping our project up. And um, the detail is even more hectic than the massive, you know, construction, just putting things together, just slopping it up together, just the details, electric and this and that and all this stuff and getting everything right. And we've been approved for, you know, our electricity, meaning that um, once you have the electrician run it, Landon Price, how are you? Everything's good. Okay. Once you have it all wired up, then the electric company has to come and test all the wires so that everything, they make sure that everything is proper. I guess they shoot some kind of voltage through it and make sure. So it, it's it's other things, but it's every day, seven days a week. So this is why I've been falling out, whatever. You know, I'm just as enthusiastic. I'm working on some new things, some new looks. You know, everywhere I go, I take my stuff with me and work on stuff. So there's never a time wasted, but sometimes the major time shift. I get to sleep in a little bit more tomorrow morning, but I'm going to get back up there and then come back again to do something at night. And you never know if something unexpected comes. So um, once that's all over, it's just pure creation, pure content creation. So I'm looking forward to that time. So it, it's a beautiful time whenever you're striving to get to another level and next level. You know, when you look back, you say, oh, man, I'm tired. I'm, I'm getting sick of this. When is it going to finish? You see the light at the end of the tunnel. And um, you realize then that it's, maturity tells you that, that this is a sweet time, a sweet time of change. You know, I have friends of mine that they've told me that, you know, oh, in Ghana right now? Oh, God, let me tell you. Let me see. Hold on. Let me. Let me Cause I, I'm not, I'm, I'm used to Fahrenheit and they always come with something else. <laughs> so hold on. I'm going to find it for you right now. That's something I need to know because I see it in you know, Okay. Boom. Here it is. I'm going to look at it right now. A good question. That was a good one. Okay. What did I say? 26 degrees. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, Celsius, whatever. So what is that in Fahrenheit? That's my thing. What is that in Fahrenheit? It rained like crazy today. It was 26, 26. Okay, tw uh, right now is 26. It's going to be 25, 2 a.m., 24, 4 a.m., and they say it's going to be raining at night. Okay, and tomorrow, 7 a.m., rain, thunderstorms. It's going to clear up and be partially cloudy. And Oh, that's okay, and 27%. Between 28 in the days and 25 at night. So what is that? <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? Right? Ah, uh, David Bryant, how are you? Yeah, sweet D. Right on time, right on time. But like I said, you know, I'm very pleased. You know, after all the obstacles that came in the way last year and different things, mishaps and everything. So I'm pleased. I'm just ready to get into this to this zone, this creative zone. I yearn for that where I can just lock down for like two weeks or a month and not even come outside and just just get deep into meditation. Just pop, 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 pop. You know, it's like a training camp of sorts because also physically it would be that also for me, too. You know, I want to build like a small little gym and just just eat, rest, do that, you know, meditate, 
you know, keep my mind right. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get to this point. I'm not looking for excitement. I'm looking to hunker down. And who we have, uh, dear beautiful sister here, she's getting her camera together. I see her. Let me let her get it together before I have it pop in. Yeah. Okay. My volume. <laughs> I was just amusing everybody with small talking to you until you came. <laughs> you know? It's good to see everybody. <laughs> I look forward to seeing what color adornment you have in your hair each week. I see it. I see it. Right. <laughs> and you've been practicing because you you got it right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just want to say one more thing, the Queen Red Pill. Yes, go ahead. That's, go 79, ahead. that's 79 degrees. It it feels I'm not going to say hot. I'm not going to say humid. It just, it feels more than what it is. It is so pleasant. It, it is a different kind of temperature than I feel in America. You know, it's just a different kind of thing. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. Head not in the suns. How are you? Right. Oh, you said it's 80 degrees. Okay. 79 around. Yeah. 82 degrees. Yeah. That, it's, it's cool. I like it. Sleep good. You know, Eric Days, how are you? Yes. Oh, from his band. I didn't know you were banned, brother. Oh, I'm banned off of Twitter now these days. Oh, snap, look at you. I can't even get on any. I can't even trick them. I know all the tricks. I can't even trick them. You know, there's, there's one thing I can do, but yeah. Yeah, I can't even change names or anything. They, they know me. They got me by the IP address, you know, but I got yeah. tricks. I don't know. Is, is man. Just, I thought we had free speech now on on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. No, they, hey. They messed with me from two thousand December two thousand twenty. I had like thirty two thousand followers on it. Right, they took it away. Right. Wow. So, yeah, and then when I came back, they kept it. I couldn't even get over hundred people. So I'm like, okay, but they have a new one now called Threads. You need to join it. It's just like Twitter. Threads is from Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle one more dance. <laughs> well, the reason why it's not just desperation, it's just that it looks so much and they, they're pushing so much other things. And I've been messing around with old platforms I've been on and finding them. I'm like, man, it's too much. There's a certain point of saturation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. But I'm just like, eh, I can't handle, like I said, one more platform. Right, right. Right. Like, no, um, please. I still I still set the name up, right? But let me give you the floor and um let's um hear what you have to say today. And um I'm looking forward to it. You see how quick I got that link together, right? I didn't doubt you for a minute, Lance. That window was open and traffic is just give me a second, Lance. Just give me a second. <laughs> okay. There. That's a little better. There you go. All right. Here you go. Yes. Well, hello, everybody. Let's see. Had not and Sons, David Queen, Red Pill, Eric Days, Sweet D, Queen, Red Pill. I see you, beautiful. I see you, and Landon. <laughs> I see you all. Um, well, we're talking about King David and Absalom tonight. I don't know if you know the story. But uh, 
you know that David was king. And so Absalom decided, hmm, I want to usurp the throne. So I'm going to have a coup because his father banished him, right? So the people, what he did was he, he made the people fall in love with him. You know, they were like, oh, Absalom, you're our king now. You know, so when David heard that Absalom was planning a coup, he was like, oh, man, I want to kill you, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to just leave. You can have a throne because I don't want to kill you. <laughs> right? Oh, wow. David, David in the chat saying he's still a king. <laughs> yes, David, you are. <laughs> So Absalom runs away. No, David runs away from Absalom. Absalom comes in and claims the throne. And I'm pretty sure David did have to end up killing him. You know, that's the story. But we're going to look at that story. We, we have to understand now that that story is not just allegory, you know. Again, it has extraterrestrial influence right? It has extraterrestrial influence. Look at how David and he had to get all his armies together and go out on behalf of God to annihilate people. So where's the law here? You're David and Absalom is your contrary thought. It's that thought that, you know, it comes in and it looks like it's a good choice, you know? It looks like it would be a good fit. It sure does. And so when you have that thought that is contrary, it doesn't matter if it looks great or whatever the case may be, so long as it is contrary to who you say you are. So remember now, David is king. The thought of Absalom is contrary to king. So what did David do? David had to polarize himself, which is to flee to safety. Because if he had stayed, he would have to face off with Absalom. Okay? Remember that. So he didn't want to, if you think about it, what didn't he want to do? He didn't want to fight himself. He did not want to have a divided house. So instead of having a divided house, he just said, fine, take it. You got to remember, when God anointed and appointed you as king only god could get rid of you yes so that's where the extraterrestrial influence comes in meaning that lil g god with a small g was running the show he was a david was a man after god's own heart he did everything that god asked him to do he killed everybody god asked him to do so David was also dedicated to the cause of being king. That's why he did not want a divided house. He didn't want to have to fight himself. So he remained polarized to the fact that he was king, just in a different place. You understand? Does that make sense, how we begin this story? Whereas you and I are David, we are sovereign. But a thought comes along that challenges that sovereignty. Oh, it looks nice. Oh, yeah, you know, you still have to serve God. You may be sovereign, but you still have to serve God. It is contrary 
right? So when David made the choice, I will not have a divided house. So what did he do? He polarized himself to wholeness. He looked at what was going on. Yeah. He looked at what was going on in his world. This contrary thought. But now here's something. We always have to go back and look at causation. Every cause has its effect and every effect its cause. Why did David have to banish Absalom in the first place? Because Absalom killed Amnon, his brother. Why? Because Amnon assaulted their sister, Tamar. Now, why is there so much violence in David's house? Why is there so much violence in David's house? Well, look at the law of causation. Because Bathsheba was bathing on that roof and David saw her in all of her splendor, he had Uriah murdered. He had Uriah murdered. And, and this is now the part that we have to explain the extraterrestrial influence. Because he had Uriah murdered, yes, God said to him, fine, the sword will forever be at your house. All of his sons, Absalom, Amnon, Adonijah, all died violently because of that one thing that David did. Now here, we would say, well, can't we revise? Can't we do a new cause to bring about a new effect? Yes, you can. So why didn't David? And we're going to look at it. David could not do anything about it because Lil G punished him. That is the influence of the extraterrestrial. It's not that David could not change the cause. It's just that he was overridden by Lil G. Lil G said, nope. Just like how um, Sodom and Gomorrah happened. Well, if there's one good person, I won't destroy it. He destroyed it in any way. Same for the flood. Ah, I don't like it. Be gone with a lot of you. And there goes the flood. So it's not that David could not revise what he had done to get a different outcome. Because if you change the cause, you will change the effect. Because every effect has its cause. But David was not allowed to revise. He was not allowed to revise because of that intervention from Lil G. Little God. Or God with the small G. Not the all. They're not the same. So when you look at causation, because he put Uriah on the front line and took Bathsheba, they had Solomon. He told Bathsheba because she asked him, you must have Solomon be your next king. So that means Absalom, who was more than likely the firstborn of the first marriage, was now usurped from being king. So 
that'll make anybody's blood boil, right? So cause and effect. So because now he did what he did with Uriah and Bathsheba, Solomon came about as an effect of that, which caused Bathsheba to say, I want Solomon on the throne. Effect, Solomon on the throne, which did what? It created the effect of the infighting between Absalom, right? And his father, because he was supposed to be king, if memory serves me correctly. But then Amnon decided to violate their sister, Tamar, and Absalom said, because remember the effect, right? He decided he was going to do that to Tamar. Look at the effect. Absalom took care of him. And this is why he was banished. So you see, every cause has its effect. Every effect, its cause. But the reason why David could not revise his situation to change his quote-unquote lot in life so that he wouldn't have this war in his house is because, in essence, God said, I'm going to punish you. You will always have war in your house because of what you did. Too bad, so sad for you. That is why David did not revise his situation. This is why he suffered through it, right? What's the difference between David and us? We have the ability to apply the law in our own lives, right? But look at what happened. Because David took what God said to be true, he had to suffer the consequences. So if you are looking in your life and you say, oh, look, I've done this, but I don't want to per se suffer the consequence of it. I don't want to, because some things are instantaneous, right? Run across a busy street. You know, stand outside in the thunder and lightning. Some things are instantaneous. Others can be generational. Other things can be generational. So things your mother did, your mother's mother, your mother's mother's mother came down the line. But now that you are here and you can begin to look back and see how things have gone, you might not be able to trace back that original cause of the particular thing that happened in your family right? But you can now revise it though. You can say, all right, look, I don't like this behavior that I do because everybody else in my family did it. And you know what? It doesn't work for me. So I want to do this instead. So you change the cause, you modify the effect because every cause has a matching effect. And every effect that is created from that matching cause will create another cause and another effect, and another cause. So when you revise, when you change a cause, when you pop the old cause out and put a new cause in, the effect has to change to match that cause. Does this make sense? So if we look at our lives and we see that we are sovereign, we are King David, this story is telling us to be of one mind. Don't be divided in your thinking. If you say you are sovereign, then you have to behave like a sovereign. Meaning what? You have to take responsibility for your actions. 
even though sometimes it might be unsavory. Because don't look at Absalom as a person. Look at Absalom as a contrary thought. What must you do with a contrary thought? You must first acknowledge the problem, right? Because that's what David did. He heard Absalom is coming for the throne, your highness. What are you going to do? He acknowledged that Absalom was coming for the throne and he made a decision. He said, ah, I will not fight you. I will leave. So then you get a contrary thought. You don't fight the contrary thought. You recognize from where it comes. Where is it coming from? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it desperation? What is that contrary thought? Where is its root? So then you decide after you see where it is, you say, ah, okay, okay, I see you. So I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to do that thing. So the contrary thought is Absalom. What did David do? He turned his direction. He polarized himself where? To safety. That's why he left. He went, look at the direction. He left from and he went to, you know what I'm saying? He left from where he was and he went to. So he had to polarize himself. That's what we have to do when we have those contrary thoughts. You put your thoughts where you want them to go. Not where they crop up because of fear or worry. When they crop up because of fear and worry, if you acknowledge them, you can see the root of it. You can see where it's coming from. Look at how you know David recognized where his contrary thought was coming from. He looked at what Absalom did to Amnon. And he said, uh, I understand why he did what he did. He had to. And that's why he didn't kill him the first time. That's why he banished him. Because he understood where that behavior came from and why it was there. He understood what he did. So when the emotion or the new thought comes up, examine it and see where it is coming from. Because when you see where it is coming from, then you know how to act. Because what we tend to do is when that emotion or that new thought comes up that is contrary, we go with how the thought makes us feel right off the bat with no consideration. If the thought makes you feel angry, you, there's an outburst. If the thought makes you feel sad, you cry in the corner. If the thought makes you feel hopeless, you become desperate. So the key is to acknowledge that thought. Where is it coming from? When you see where it is coming from, then you know how to act. As opposed to allowing it to just crop up and you go, I'll do what you say. No. Acknowledge it investigate where it is coming from so you can make the right choice. Don't, because it makes you angry, don't just lash out in anger. How is that? That's chaos. Why is the anger there? Why is it making you feel angry? Is it because you don't feel heard? You don't feel respected? Well then, it's not you. That's the problem. The problem is that thought. And it's, trying to convince you that you're not heard, that you're not respected. Nobody cares about you. That's what it's trying to convince you of. 
But if you allow it to convince you that that is true, you will act according to how you feel instead of acting according to what is law. And that is what David did. He acted according, not to a feeling, because had he gone through with it, he would have just got rid of him right there and then. He would not have been lenient, right? So you can look at it and say, well, pity or grief or understanding stayed his hand. But the point that you have to get here is he acknowledged that contrary thought and he saw what caused it and where it came from. And then he chose how to act instead of being moved by the emotion. I know it looks like, but that's my baby. I can't just get rid of him. He was just protecting his sister. But you have to remember this. David never forgot what he did. He never forgot what he did. So what did he allow to rule him? Dig, peel that layer back. Because he felt what now? Guilty. Well, he knew what he did. And he knew why he was punished by God. So he felt guilty. He was repentant. You understand? He was repentant. And because he was repentant, after Absalom, well, after Amnon did what he did to Tamar, and then Absalom got rid of Amnon, do you see where his guilt took him? Hmm. So what emotion are you allowing to rule you? This is the story, you know. What emotion are you allowing to rule you instead of looking at it and seeing it for what it is? Um, Queen Redpill says that makes sense. Hey, Prophet Amon, I see you. I see you. Does this make sense? I know because we, we want to get caught up in the story, 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 right? We do. But the message in the story is more important than the story itself. If you get caught up in the semantics of it, instead of seeing the, look at the standout points. The standout points would be, he did what he did with Bathsheba prominent cause, right? The second now, Amnon did what he did. Absalom did what he did to Amnon for justice. Those are the pivotal moments that you look at in the story. Because when you look at them, they're, they're so prominent in their cause because you clearly begin to get a sense of what he was feeling. You get a sense of what he was feeling, which now is relatable to you and I because we are human just like David was. What did he feel? He felt guilty. How do you know? Because Nathan the prophet told him what he did. Listen, Nathan went to, to David in the original and said to him, you know, David, there was a farmer who had many, many sheep. 
And there was this one farmer, you know, this other farmer, and he only had one little sheep. And that farmer with many sheep came along and took that one little sheep from the farmer. What should be done, David? What should be done with that farmer who had everything? And what did David say? Well, you should annihilate him. Nathan said to David, but David, you are that farmer with many wives, many concubines, a large army. You are king. And Uriah was just a simple man with one wife. And you put him on the front line of your army and now he is no more. So, if you look at this, Nathan didn't necessarily judge David. He just told a story. He just told a story. But you see, David was caught up in the story, but could not see himself in the story. That's what happens to us when we read the word. We get so caught up in the story that we don't see ourselves. We don't see ourselves. Always look for yourself in the story. Why? Because when you see yourself in the story, you begin to see the actions differently because now you are doing the actions. Would you do the actions? That is how you interpret a story. Allegory. That's what you do. You put yourself in the midst of it. See you there. And then that's what will cause you to behave differently, to think differently. Well, which law is that? It's the law of correspondence. As within, so without, as above, so below. You are putting yourself inside the story and looking at the outcome of that story to get a better sense of what is within you. That's the whole point of stories. Yes, Prophet Am Amon, always look for you in the story. Why is that? Why would you only look for you in the story? Because there's one consciousness. There's one consciousness, just one. Oh, it may look like Angela, it may look like Prophet Amon, it may look like Queen Red Bill, but there is only one consciousness, one. So if you are putting yourself in the story, now you will know how to behave. You will know how to apply the law at every turn. You begin to see what guilt makes you do. Look at how guilt makes you behave. Look at how he behaved. Right? And then he was ashamed because he didn't see himself when the prophet was telling him the story. Oh, he was, he had righteous anger. Oh, what he did was bad. He only, that poor farmer only had one little sheep. But Nathan, but David, that one little farmer was Uriah. And King David had to sit down. He sat down and snapped his finger and I'm sure somebody brought him something strong. 
because then now he understood. This is why he repented. He repented. Right? So today, where in your life, whew, glass house, where in your life do you see yourself entertaining a contrary thought to who you say you want to become? Is that contrary thought the voice of your mother, the voice of your father, the voice of your granny, your grandpappy? Who is that contrary thought coming from? It could be coming from you. You would have to know. But if you say, I am that, I am, then why are you entertaining a contrary thought to who you say you are? The contrary thought, you understand, will gnaw away at you. It will eat you up inside. And then you will begin to behave like that contrary thought is trying to convince you that you are. You say, but I, I, I am confident. The contrary thought comes along and says, sure you are. Confident according to who? Look at you, shoulders are slumped. You don't even look anybody in the eye. Oh, you're confident. Look scared to me. And because now that contrary thought came along and now makes you feel like you're unappreciated and unheard and angry, a rage builds inside of you. And then what do you do? You act a fool because you allowed a contrary thought to make a choice for you. This is why you examine your contrary thought and you put it in its place. You must recognize that it is contrary. Look at how it's, look at how, what it's trying to make you do. That's Absalom, that contrary thought. Oh sure, everybody loved him, but that was a means to an end for him to convince. See, he convinced. Because when people would bow to him, he said, no, 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 don't bow to me. He'd pick them up and kiss them on the hand. Oh, how humble he appeared. You see, that contrary thought is trying to convince you that you are something contrary to what you say you are. And because you've been entertaining those kinds of contrary thoughts for quite some time, it's, listen, we don't do that overnight. We don't entertain contrary thoughts once in a while. No, that is not our design. We entertain contrary thoughts all the time. I'm having a contrary thought right now. Well, contrary to my peace and quiet, there's always a nutmeg speeding down the road, but I digress, right? But do you, do you hear what I'm saying to you tonight? Um, Prophet Amon, is ego the contrary? You see, I think it's because we don't necessarily understand what ego is. Your ego is a belief that you already hold about something. That's why you reject anything else. Ponder that for a moment. The ego is required. It is a belief that you already hold about something. So when a new something comes up, for instance, if 
you grew up in a staunch Christian family and you're hearing about the law and how God is love, right? And you're hearing about that. But then somebody comes along and says to you, well, how can God be love when he just killed everybody? He wiped out the whole planet. How can that be love? How can you make me fear you and your God? Do you not know who you are? How can that be God? That person comes along with a belief that is contrary to what you hold. What happens? Oh, no, that's not God. That's not the God I serve. The God I serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're blasphemous. You better watch yourself before God don't punish you and put you in that lake of fire. Ego. Because allegedly you know God better than God knows himself. It's just something that you already believe. That is the ego. Something that you already believe that you will fight to defend. That is your ego. So it could be in any situation. Does that make you egotistical as a whole? No, it's just showing you what you believe. Your ego, every time it comes up to fight and say something, to challenge something, it is showing you what you already hold to be true. That's why you can't get past somebody's belief. You can't beat somebody into belief. When you say to people, how can the God in the Bible be love? When he said, believe me or die at the end of my sword. It's called a crusade. It's called a crusade. Do you not have a choice to love God or not? Last time I checked, he gave that. You can love him if you want to. But what he's telling you, right? And and what do what do we say? Well, God ordained it. See how the ego comes up? Well, God ordained it. God gave a missive and said, go out and destroy these people. He told Saul that. Go out and kill. I forget who it was. And he said, don't, don't spare any life, none. Saul, seeing that the meat was good, he kept the livestock. So then when the prophet came and said, whoa, Saul, what is, meh, meh. that's what the prophet heard. And the prophet said, whoa, whoa, what is, what, what's that noise? Didn't God say to destroy everything? Saul said, yeah, God said to destroy everything. But this was still healthy. This was good, so I took it. And God punished Saul. So here's the question. Unconditional love. It, listen, you don't have to love me. But if I hold you down and choke you out because I need you to love me, so I am validated, somebody has a problem. Look at that ego. He got a big ego. <laughs> I love his big ego. Somebody got an ego. Right? Does that make sense? Like it's, the ego is just showing you what you already hold to be true in any given situation. And you know what you hold to be true because you're going to argue to defend it.
because it's justification. So you'll hold on to it. Either you build the spirit or the ego. You cannot get rid of the ego. <laughs> you, you have to believe something. Like me, right now, there's only one thing. And that is law. Period. That's where my ego is. Law. That's, my, that's what I hold to be true. So then somebody says to me, but you know, Angela, there's 12 laws instead of seven. I'm like, it's not that there's 12. It's just that people have expanded on them to make them easier to understand. But there are seven. The law of generation. It's the law of gender. Project it, it gives you life back. You just generated life. Right? <laughs> but there's seven. The law of rhythm. You can put the law of compensation in there because however far the pendulum swings to the left is how far it has to swing to the right because rhythm compensates. But it is rhythm nonetheless. So do you not know that rhythm compensates? Do you need to know that it says compensation to have a law of compensation? No. Because rhythm will tell you that it compensates all on its own volition if you watch it. The measure of the swing to the left is the same as the swing to the right. So it's not that there's more than seven. It's just for easier understanding. And if you want to break it down to be more, more semantics, split hairs, there is only one law. That is the law of creation itself. <laughs> hey, Yvonne, um, can we just be spirit? Then you relinquish your body, you will just be spirit. But then you are here now. You are body as well as spirit. Without the spirit, the body cannot be. But the spirit doesn't need the body. The body needs the spirit. What is your spirit? Your awareness, your consciousness. It's the fact that you are aware. The minute you stop to ask the question, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I? That's the beginning of awareness. It's the beginning of awareness. That is spirit. The awareness of self. Um, I'm just reading through the chat. So what we do, right? If you... If you look at us, when you, you have to cultivate. What are you cultivating? You're cultivating, the spirit already is, yeah? But it's just that the body, the body is what you're cultivating. Because the body has these senses. And because we um, live by way of senses, you know when something is hot, you know when something is cold, you know when something feels good, you know when something feels bad. These senses, we have them. But what you are cultivating is the ability to rise above your human feelings to actually live by way of spirit is what you're doing. That's what you're doing on a daily basis, as opposed to, oh, my God, this person, you don't, Angela, you don't know how much they hurt me. And you hit telling me I'm supposed to forgive them. No, Angela, I can't forgive. That is human. 
because the pain is real for you. How you feel about how you, listen, the injustice is what makes us do what we do. The injustice is what makes us say an eye for an eye. Now, if you go above it by way of spirit to say, hmm, I see the effect, which is the action. I see what they did. Now, instead of an eye for an eye, perhaps understanding, why would they do what they did? Why would they do it? And when you understand why they did it, act according to the understanding. You see, because what we do in our society is we punish and then we reward. So nobody can ever be true. Because we punish. And so to avoid punishment, you will lie or bend the truth. And to get the reward, well, you may have to do something shady. But either way, the punishment and the reward tampers with the human. Go through the court system and you'll tell me. Why can't anybody come along and say, he did this to me, your honor, and they could be lying, and his life is over. Because we punish and we reward. We don't seek to understand. To understand is spirit. Punish and reward is flesh. Because you're being driven by the emotion of what you feel. Does this make sense? Um... Well, yes, your body, it's where the spirit is. So that's why you call it a temple, I suppose. Yes. You see, in traditional Chinese medicine, we learn that the heart houses the mind. Your awareness of self rests in the heart. Which means now you have to come with Compassion. You have to come with understanding. But Angela, what do you do with the most heinous of criminals? My son and I talk about this quite a bit. I say solitary confinement. I didn't give life. So I can't take it. I I say I understand why they would do what they did, but in order to prevent them from doing it to others, isolation is required, but not just isolation. Isolation with the ability to understand what they've done. I think everybody has the capacity to do that. Some do, some don't, maybe, I don't know. That's a gray area. But I think if we give people the opportunity, I'm not saying you have to be on the street with me. Hell no, I'm not stupid but you should be isolated. It's like, a, you know what I mean? It, uh, hmm, I trust that makes sense. Oh, hey, Blue Warders, I see you. Then folks tell me who they think they are. I know instantly who and what they are not. But of course, that is the law of correspondence. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Their ego what they believe will come out of their mouth because it is now what they know, is it not? So you see, you can't get rid of the ego. It is what you know. The thing that you believe, you see it so much, you come to know it as fact. 
Does that make sense? Well, indeed, because when you see what they do, you know what they said to themselves. You know what their thought was. You know how they spoke to themselves, thereby how they behave. It is one motion. Thought, word, and action is one, not three. You act everything. Listen, the all is mind. The universe is a mental creation. Everything begins in the mind. So if you are here, everything begins here. But there's a component that is required. The heart is required. What moves you? What moves you? What you care about is what will move you to act. See why emotions, and, and here's the thing, emotions are not bad. There's neither good nor bad. You see, we judge so much. Emotions are neither good nor bad. But they do tell you something. They do give you information. Incoming information is what they say. They give you information. Now you have to quickly interpret the information and decide how to behave. Will you behave based upon the information? Or will, you see, or will you see the information and rise above? And the reason I say rise above is because usually um, if we have been hurt really bad, we lash out with the anger, right? The information coming in is showing us pain and we feel the pain in our bodies so viscerally that we lash out because we feel justified to do so. But if you look at that pain and you understand that pain was inflicted upon you because of somebody's nocience, somebody's lack of awareness. Because you lacked awareness does not mean that what you did didn't cause harm. Understand that. The harm was inflicted, yes. But that harm was inflicted, whether deliberately or not deliberately. If somebody hurt you because they could, then you have to recognize that the reason they feel that they have the entitlement to hurt you because they're heartless, it's only because they think they're heartless. Not you. You didn't deserve to be mistreated. You did not deserve to be mistreated. You have to know that. But to understand that you did not deserve to be mistreated, you need to see where theirs came from. I don't have time for that, Angela, because I don't care about them. They hurt me. It doesn't have anything to do with them. You already know that they hurt you. So now you have two choices. Allow the pain to harden you and cause you now to do what? Inflict pain upon somebody else because you were hurt or recognize that, ah, you know what? They're in pain. You know what? I release you and I wish healing for you. Oh, oh, here's, here comes St. Angela. Here comes St. 
Angela because you've never been hurt before. So you can't speak to that, Angela. You don't know what they did. I'm not telling you that from a place of being a saint. Because I'm a sinner. <laughs> so I can't tell you that from being in a place of being a saint. I don't see myself as a saint. But what I'm telling you is. Whatever you hold within you, you project outward and thereby you will experience. So then you have to weigh that. You want to experience more pain? Keep holding it. Oh, but God is so cruel. Why would he do such a thing with the law? Because he's thinking of your best interest. Well, it's not a person. But if you think about it, we like to give things a personality, don't we? Right? Why? Why would the law do that? Because the law says the all is mind. The universe is a mental creation. So whatever is going on in your mind, the way you speak to yourself in your mind, driven by the way you feel in your body, you will continue to experience it. And then you will throw your hands in the air and said, God must hate me. No, the law is saying as within, so without, as above, so below. So for no other reason other than, you know what? You ain't gonna hurt me for the rest of my life, ever. So I am going to say to hell with that. From now on, my happiness is my responsibility and I will not be walking around with that bondage anymore. Selfish, but of course, because there is only the self. So then you have to make a choice. Are you important enough? Or how low do you see yourself that you're going to drag a ball and chain of pain around with you day in and day out? Because it has become your constant companion because you've had it for so long. Hmm. Is it doing you any favors? Nope, but it's sucking the life out of you. Do you want to keep that? Because you don't like what they did to you and you feel the injustice? You keep feeling that injustice. It builds and it builds and it builds some more until such time there comes an eruption. Well, then you can predict what's going to happen. Can you not? By way of law of causation. If you know the cause, you can predict the effect. So keep walking with anger. Keep walking with rage. Keep walking with bitterness. Because you're justified. Keep well, then you can predict the outcome. But when you know the outcome already, how can you cry foul at the effect when you are unwilling to relinquish the cause of the foul? Is it easy? No. I can't sit here and tell you it's easy to relinquish the injustice. It isn't. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But you're not looking at it by way of ease or hard. What are you looking at? Where does your ease and relief come from? Think about this. You are in the desert. 
and it is hot. It is hot. And you cannot walk anymore. You are now crawling on your hands and knees, but you're dragging a ball and chain. That ball and chain will kill you before you get to water. You have a better chance of releasing it to get to water. Do you not? So is your survival and life and the quality of your life more beneficial to you or is holding on to the injustice? But you see, when you understand the injustice, when you understand that, well, they did it. I don't know what hurt them. I don't care what hurt them, but I understand pain because I'm in pain. So if I'm in this kind of pain, I can only imagine what kind of pain they're in. You know what? I don't need it anymore. I'll relinquish it. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If they're continually spewing pain, then that's what they have inside of themselves. So what choice will you make? Will you allow your Absalom, your contrary thought to keep you right where you are? Or will you polarize yourself in the direction of your freedom? I can't make you do anything. You just have to choose. You're not doing anybody who hurt you favors. Don't think that that's what you're doing when you relinquish them. You're not relinquishing them. You are relinquishing you from them. Anywho. Um... Well, Queen, Queen Red Pill, that's what she's saying. It took me years to release my childhood pain. That's because we didn't understand why the pain was inflicted in the first place. When you understand why it's inflicted, it becomes easier to let go of. You're just choosing you and your happiness and your way of life. And the reason, like I say, why it can be difficult at times is because you've spent so long doing it. The ego, you have spent so long in pain that when freedom comes along, you say, no, I will hold my pain. That is your ego. Reese, baby, I know it is easier said than done, but what eases the tension, Reese, is the understanding that you are valuable and that you deserve to have peace and ease in life. That is what makes it easier to bear. Do not tether yourself to someone because they hurt you. Because then you'll, you'll forever be dragging them and their pain and the pain they inflicted upon you. So it doesn't matter how hard it is to do Understand it, and that's what will make it easier for you to choose yourself. Does that make sense? Are there any more questions? Because I don't, I don't want to keep y'all. <laughs> I want to keep you for a long time, you know. Um, so those contrary thoughts that we have, the way we speak to ourselves... We have these mini cat of nine tails, these little ones, like Catholics, and we beat ourselves up. Oh, I'm stupid. Oh, I'm ugly. Oh, I'm worthless. We beat ourselves up. And then when we inflict that pain upon ourselves, as within, so without, you don't have a choice but to project it outward because that is law. 
It is masculine, the law of gender. You project from your conscious mind to your subconscious into the womb of creation, and it must bring forth whatever life you put in it. So if you plant pain, well, we gotta reap pain. So y'all got a choice to make. <laughs> I know it's not an easy choice, but don't look at it by way of easy or hard. Look at it in another way. Perspective, yes? If I release this ball and chain, I can rise higher consciously. I can live a life that is beautiful if I release this ball and chain. Okay, so what does somebody who lives a life of ease behave like? They're compassionate. Who are you having compassion for? You. You can't have compassion for George down the street if you don't have compassion within you first. Well, how so, Angela? Well, if you don't know what compassion feels like and tastes and smells like, how can you say, oh, this is compassion, let me give it. You have to know what compassion is because you give it to you first. But don't let me preach. A little late, I know. Don't let me preach, though. Yes, redemption work is a healing thing. You have to redeem yourself. But we keep looking for the sacrificial lamb to be sacrificed to redeem us when in actuality all that we need to redeem ourselves is to sacrifice the contrary thought that we hold i'll just say that <laughs> you know yes stretching in the mornings is a very good thing you see the body remembers. I don't I don't see mixed genre, but I know she always recommends that book. The body keeps the score. And one of the best ways to get things out of the body is to move it. Move your body. Shake that body for me, right? You move your body. And you will begin to release a lot of things that are stuck in there. Yes? Um, are there any more questions? So don't be like King David and allow guilt and shame to cause you to act. Don't act from your emotions. Interpret your emotions and what they're telling you so that you can decide how to act. Lance, darling. Yes. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> you, you know, if I keep going, I'm going to keep going. I know. I know. <laughs> and part of me wants to keep you going, too, because everybody loves it so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Wayne is here. Wayne, honey, you're going to have to catch the replay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I trust that it makes sense. David behaved the way he did because of guilt and shame. That drove him, well, lust drove him first. Oh, oh yes, lust drove him first. Because <laughs> you know, right? 
beautiful naked woman bathing on the roof. Now, what I don't understand is this. Why is she on the roof bathing? Come on, man. Maybe I'm she not, was advertising. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or blaming. I'm just saying. When you on the rooftop, everybody can see. But that's the nature of a roof. It draws the eye. Look at look at where the law is there now. It drew the eye. It got your attention. Something was projected outward into you. Well, she was projected into also, but I digress. If you know what I'm saying. So being <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Something was projected from her into <laughs> well, soon. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? If you if you go back all the way for King David and how he ended up, every cause has its effect. Every effect is cause. Every cause has its effect. Every effect is cause. It just kept going. We didn't know how far reaching it would be until we got all the way down here to Absalom. But you have to go back. And this is why I tell you the story is important important not because of the people in the story but what's happening anytime you are on the rooftop what does that tell you go tell it on the mountain why because when something is at the pinnacle it gets your attention so for something to get your to capture your attention oh it has to draw the eye so that projection has to get you emotionally. Why? Because humanity acts based upon their emotions. That's why the law of gender will forever be used against you. Hear me? Anytime someone can arouse your emotions, they now have you. I won't say by where, but they now have you. Why do you think that is? It is the law of gender. The projection has to move you. It impresses the subconscious mind very quickly, and then it moves you to do what? Speak and act by way of emotion. That was the purpose. That's why she was on the roof, because it was the law of gender. The projection, not because she was a hoe. Come on. <laughs> right? She was just mad at her bitch. But it was a special. <laughs> right, Lance? edition of rooftop perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it gives a whole new meaning to your rooftop perspective, doesn't it, Lance? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that is the whole point. The whole point is the projection. So something that turns up your emotion, that's your clue. If your emotion has been polarized, now you're going to act according to where you're polarized, which makes you what? Predictable. Oh, and if you are predictable, you can be easily manipulated. So this is why I keep telling you, do not live your life by way of your emotions. Living your life by way of emotions makes you vulnerable. I'm not saying you become cold and heartless. That's not what I'm saying to you. You can't stop emotions. <laughs> you can't. But you can interpret them. 
You can look at it and go, oh, snap. Oh, look, there's a naked woman bathing on the roof. What am I going to do? Oh, you know she wants some of this. She just begging for it. And you go up on that roof and you do dumb shit. Right? As opposed to looking at the situation and go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Down, boy, down. Like, oh, I'm good. I understand. You're just trying to get my attention. It's okay. You may capture my attention, but I do not have to submit to you having my attention. I rule my attention. You see? But we have to stop ourselves to make that choice. Interpret the emotion as you encounter it and then make your choice. And you will forever make a better choice. Hmm. I'm just going to read it. Be it hey, Beatrice. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, <laughs> hey, Landon is going to have to catch the replay. <laughs> Aw, it's good to see you, Landon and Beatrice. It really is. But anyway, I trust tonight's um, Bible story made sense. And um, as you go through your life, begin to apply the law so that you're not caught unawares. Lance. Yes, I'm right here, ready to roll. Now I'm done. Are you sure? Much good meaning into my life because I was doing a rooftop perspective and was put in the same situation by someone across the street showering. So outside. So, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, man. Trouble, but I just wanna, when you, you said that, it reminded me. I'm drinking kombucha. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't want to spray up your, your camera, right? <laughs> I just uh, bring that in for a little laugh, you know? That happens a lot. <laughs> that happens a lot, right? That's why I have to keep a straight face on top of that roof. I look down, like, oh, God, there it is again. Yeah, but anyway, that's a very real thing. Thank you once again. And like I said, it's an ever-growing experience. More and more people are listening to you. And um, I'm proud to see that growth and you're very valuable and much needed. And it, it's a good thing. You know, it, it's a really good thing. You add on to my life every week that you come on because it <laughs> gives me things to think about, you know, yeah. really gives me things to think about all the time. So that being said, the shortest hour on the Internet, we back again. Reading. Wait, Queen Red Pill says she doesn't even like Bible stories, but she does now. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you, were, if you were the Sunday school teacher in the morning time, I'd be there every week early. Trust me, because you, you, you make it mean something. It's not like we're talking about these dudes from 2,000 years ago. Okay. <laughs> You're related. You know what I mean? I, I can identify with that. Rooftop perspectives. <laughs> Indeed, right? That's right. That's, that's that's all I want to tell you guys. Like, that's why I say you you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Look for the law, and if you look for the law, you laugh a lot more in your life. To be honest, because you'll begin to see when people are acting a fool, you'll be like, ah, I see you. I know where <laughs> that's coming from. Right. Right. So, anywho, <laughs> hey, Prophet Amos, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I'm just reading the story, the 
the chat as it goes up here. You're welcome, Wayne. <laughs> Prophet Amon, what are you saying here? Talk about the the synchronic. I don't understand. Are you talking about synchronicities? Elaborate really quickly because I don't want to keep you. Yeah, Prophet Amon, because I'm not sure of what that comment means. So I don't I don't want to leave anybody hanging. Um and for everybody who's watching this uh, in the replay or even now and has to go back, just leave your question in the comment section of this video. Yes. Your questions and uh, Angela will go over it and, you know, put it in detail, too. And she'll go back and forth with you until, you know, you come to some conclusion. So it's not just now, but put it in, in the uh, comment section after this goes up as a video. Ah, yes, yes. Oh, the secret. Also, um, Prophet Amon, are you? Are you talking about the synchronicity of Lance doing rooftop perspectives and seeing the naked beauty? Is that what the synchronicity there? Well, that's what always happens on a rooftop. Yes. You have a bird's eye view of things going on. You are privy to seeing many things. And she always seems to want to take a shower when she sees me on that roof. That's the other thing. But so it appears to be that way, right? Cause mm -hmm. and effect. Exactly. If I do it eight in the morning, she's there. If I do it four in the afternoon, she decides to take a shower. And when she sees you in the street, good afternoon, how are you? I'm like, okay, I understand what this shower thing is all about. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. But I understand that. And what you said, like, yeah, you may catch my attention, but you're not going to make me submit to it. So exactly. be good. You don't, you don't have to tell her anything. You don't have to say anything at all. No, right. That, but you say to yourself, yes. It'd be nice if she could put a curtain up at that window or <laughs> no seriously, you know, you know, because or... a, house, a house is under construction across the street and they're there holding the space and there's an outdoor shower where the open part is aimed at me and i'm like oh and they never close the door okay so that's what it is you know what i mean but i understand but that that's so true and it doesn't have to be a shower it doesn't have to be a roof it could be any situation any situation you know I mean? and that's exactly right, Lance. It doesn't have to be a rooftop, but it has to be something that is elevated that catches the eye. That yeah. is the significance of the rooftop. You right. could be walking down the aisle at the grocery store and somebody at the food, it, that's a rooftop. It caught your eye. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. That's all it is. Anything <laughs> that catches the eye is a rooftop moment. That is yes. the law of correspondence. As above, so below. You're you're seeing, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Yes. So, oh, Lance, let me say this. You see, I told you. You see, <laughs> <sighs> I told you. Here, you can learn a lot. Then, um, because somebody said, you know, I was listening to somebody talk on Clubhouse the other day, and they said they went to the hospital to pray for somebody. And that person relinquished their will to live. And so they weren't healed. They just decided to do what they were going to do. You see, we don't have the ability to force somebody into doing something. If that person was in agreement, hear me, if the person doing the thing that you can see, if you are in agreement with them, then you will comply. That is where I want to leave you. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Perfect. Right? Okay. Yes. 
That's why you got to know yourself. That's right. Now cool. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't find yourself in any situation. Don't put yourself in any situation you can't handle. Avoid it. Flee it. Leave it alone. Well, that, but that comes when you know who you are and what you are capable of. They tell mm -hmm. you every man has his prayers. Mm -hmm. What is your mm -hmm. prayer? Exactly. That's what will keep you from doing dumb things. You have right. to know who you are, not who somebody can bend you to be. Right? Exactly. What did Prophet Prophet Amen said? That um I used Lance's story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know this was Lance's story. I just right. happened to go back to exactly. the reason that caused this whole thing to <laughs> unfold for David and Absalom. To tie the whole story in. You see how the cause brought you full circle. Mm -hmm. It's still true. <sighs> okay, Lance. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful, wonderful night. Much love, sister. Much love, everybody.